Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. Woo! Here with you on a Monday morning. And you know, mm. you knew that you know that's a bad thing to start off. Mm. But what a terrible, terrible thing it was. Mm. Before you guys uh, we get going too far into the podcast, I want to mm. thank you for You alright over there? Mm. <laughs> if you're gonna I've told you in the past, when you have the when you're like, I feel terrible, I need to get some bad energy out. It's not mm, it's Everybody, everybody! If you're at work, if you're at work right now, if you're at home, if you're in the car, and you you're just you're hating life because of this game, we're gonna all do this together. We're gonna do one, two, three, and we're all gonna do this. Ready? So one, two, three. Hmm. We'll pause for you to do it. All right, you should feel a little better now. You should feel a little better. Not a lot, but a little. I'm not just sure if that was stress relief or if you just had gas over there. I'm not, I'm no not gas. Sure what That's just, that, that is, if you if you do it constantly for like five minutes, you, a you'll annoy everyone around you, but b you will feel better. So, um, Ho- get, hopefully people will feel better after they listen. Oh, they're probably going to feel no, worse. They're, they're, they're going to feel they're a lot worse. Feel better. Um, thanks for listening, though. If you're wherever you are out there at supertalk.fm, wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate you guys, especially the servicemen and women taking care of us. Joel, you and I were on Rocky Top. We saw everything that unfolded. But what I need, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I need to know, Joel, what's causing all that. All right. That what? You're about to get a, uh, I told you you're going to get a first. Before the show, Joel said that I got a first. And I didn't ask you. I didn't press. You you all are about to get a first a little bit. Although you may not even be able to tell all that much, probably. But uh, the first is not what's causing all that. The first... Uh, you get some breaking actually, news there? No, no the, the, the winner, if you want to call it that, of what's causing all that, mm-hmm. it's a two-time winner. Oh, okay. Because we had it a couple of weeks ago. Sure. Two or three weeks ago. Sorry, Joe. You're what's causing all that. Joe Moorhead. <laughs> yes. And here's the first. Mm-hmm. I wrote. So this is almost like a monologue, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I didn't... I wanted to say what I normally, wanted to say. Normally, what, normally I just, just comes shoot from off the cuff. The yeah. Yeah. So, I kind of wrote this, and we're going to go with it. So, I, I will read it almost teleprompter style over here, so hopefully you can't tell all that much that I'm reading. But I'm going to be reading. Uh, just I jotted down some thoughts, and I was like, you know what? Yeah. I was going to bullet point this thing, but I was like, let me let me just write it. And yeah. so, I, I kind of wrote it, and you can agree, disagree. All right, get after but it. But here now. we go. go. The words fumbled out of the mouth of Mississippi State quarterback Garrett Schrader on Saturday afternoon. In the moments after the Bulldogs suffered an embarrassing, pitiful 20-10 loss at Tennessee, Schrader tried to explain why. He said, I guess we kind of came out and we just, we expected we had too much more than, we were more ready than we were, Schrader said. If you didn't catch all that, you're not alone. So let me pull back the curtain just a little bit on what it's like for us sports reporters. I went back and listened to this comment for about 10 minutes straight, making sure I got every word as close to I could get. It's not exactly a functional sentence. It requires you to dig a little bit to figure out exactly what he's saying. 
But after listening to it over and over again, here's my best guess. Schrader and the Bulldogs thought they were ready for Tennessee, yet the 60 minutes of football on Saturday proved that they weren't. What Schrader said on Saturday wasn't uttered with malice. He wasn't calling anybody out. Yet, most likely, completely unintentionally, he uttered the most damning statement of the Joe Moorhead era at Mississippi State. Because what Garrett Schrader essentially said was that Mississippi State wasn't adequately prepared to play. And that falls squarely on the shoulders of the man that's getting paid millions to be the head coach of the Bulldogs. Now look, if this was a one-time occurrence, it's okay. It happens. The reason this is such a big deal right here, right now, is because some semblance of being unprepared seems to be happening now with regularity at Mississippi State. Sometimes it's with the game planning, as was apparently the case Saturday. Sometimes it's a discipline issue. Penalties weren't a problem against Tennessee, but how many times the last couple years has MSU been killed by false starts, inexplicable delay of games, or flat-out dumb, unsportsmanlike conduct fouls? Sometimes it's all the above, as was the case at Auburn two weeks ago. The bottom line here with all this, what Schrader said, what we've seen with our own eyeballs now over 19 games of the Joe Moorhead era, is that through 19 games, there's no way around it, Joe Moorhead's been a bust at Mississippi State. That's not to say he'll forever be a bust. That's not to say it's over. That's not to say he should be fired. The next 19 games, for all we know, could miraculously turn out to be the best 19 in MSU history. Right now, it's only to say that the 19 games that we've seen of the Joe Moorhead tenure, the only thing Joe Moorhead has done is underachieve. You want to relive it? Probably not, but here we go. He had probably the best defense in school history a year ago and could only ride that to 8-5. and five. The worst part of that was that the very reason Moorhead was hired at State was for his reputation of being an offensive mastermind. Yet his offense, then and now apparently, didn't and doesn't have a snowball's chance in Satan's hands of putting up points against competent defenses. It just doesn't. At least it works against Stephen F. Austin, though, right? Put all that aside, though. Put aside the records. Put aside 8-5 and five in 2018 when it should have been at least 9-4, and 10-3. and three. Put aside 3-3 three and three this year when it should be 5-1. and one. A lot of times the last year and a half, Joe Moorhead's lining up against teams that he has more talent than, and he's losing. That Iowa team had no business beating MSU in the Outback Bowl last year. Is Kansas State really better than the Bulldogs? Did Tennessee, who's looked absolutely atrocious for most of 2019, suddenly become a juggernaut in the week leading up to playing Mississippi State? No. The answer is no. In those games, you might could even include Kentucky and Florida last year too, MSU had every reason to go in and expect to win. The Bulldogs were better, or at least they should have been. Instead, whether it was because the offensive genius's offense didn't work, or whether it was because of stupid penalties, or whether it was because of a lack of preparation, every one of those games were disappointments. Kentucky last year, disappointment. Florida last year, disappointment. Iowa last year, disappointment. Kansas State this year, disappointment. Auburn this year, the loss was fine, but the way it happened, disappointment. Tennessee on Saturday, say it with me now, disappointment. Mississippi State and MSU fans can handle losing. Lord knows if there's anything longtime Bulldogs know a thing or two about, it's how to deal with defeat. Yet for the last decade, and yeah, a lot of this is credit to Dan Mullen, what MSU and its fans haven't had to deal with all that much is disappointment. When there was a team the Bulldogs should beat, they beat them. Yeah, there were some games, the 2012, 2014, 2015 Egg Bowls, where State lost and it hurt, but those were essentially outliers over the course of that decade. 
In some cases, like with Bama in 14, the Bulldogs just lost to an ultimately better team. Disappointment came, but by and large, those moments were few and far between. At its root, this is why, as of this moment, right here today, Joe Moorhead's been a bust so far at Mississippi State. Under Moorhead's leadership, for the first time in 11 years, disappointment is again commonplace at, at Mississippi State. Underachieving has become the norm again at Mississippi State. 2019 was always going to be tough. I get that. When you lose the talent this team lost, it's understandable. But this is about more than that. This might be a thing that's true, Brian, but the Tennessee loss was just one game, but it's not just one game. In the last year and a half, there's no way around it. The program has gone backwards. There's no way around it. You know how in week one this year we were all laughing at the Ole Misses and the Arkansas and the Tennessees and the Vanderbilts of the world? Guess what? Now you're right there with them. You're right back at the cellar of the SEC where no game is a give me anymore and several are just completely unwinnable. It's a place it took so long for MSU to dig out of, yet here the Bulldogs are, right back headed toward the feeling of the Croom era. That's not to say MSU's there yet. They're not there yet. But you'd have to be the blindest of homers to not see that it is, at the very least, trending back towards that direction. To be fair, Moorhead has six more games this year to turn it around. As I've said plenty of times before on this show, I like Joe, and I really, really, really hope he does it. But the best indicator of the future is the past. And the last 19 games have given me absolutely no reason, no reason at all, to think he's putting this train back on the rails. Here's hoping for Joe and for you all listening that I'm completely wrong. Well said. Is that, that going to be a column as well? Maybe. Yeah, let's say uh, you could probably expound about that on that if you, a little bit more if you wanted to. It's good stuff. And I agree with a lot of what you said. Some of what you said I'm going to hit on uh, right now because our friends at College Corner, who may or may not want to sponsor this segment at this point, <laughs> Here's the great thing about College Corner. Plenty of women's basketball and baseball available logos available. <laughs> You're walking down the street. Someone's like, oh, we're wearing a Mississippi State shirt. They lost. No, no, no. It's a women's basketball shirt. It's a Hale State women's basketball. Best team in the country. Oh, Mississippi State. Oh, M over S. M over S. You got nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> so... Whether, whether you're coming to Starkville or not, if you're looking for MSU merchandise, the best place to go is College Corner. You can shop online at collegecornerstore.com or go check out either of their two locations at Fleet, by Fleet Feet in Ridgeland or in uh, Flowood over by the Half Shell. Uh, and, of course, either location or online, you can save money with our podcast. Either mention the podcast when you make the purchase at either location or in the coupon uh, tab online, type in Thunder, and you're going to get 15% off your order Uh the best selection, the widest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the capital city. Go check them out. College Corner, a proud sponsor. Well, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> a proud sponsor of Mississippi State. Joel T., if you had the over on uh, over under on this, if 14, you're good. I got 15 things that are true. It's grown by two, folks, since I pulled up. Yeah, he said two things. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I was telling somebody today, Joel, I think I'm going to have to go to therapy. I'm, this is depressing. It's just, uh, being the bearer of bad news is not fun. It's not a fun gig. You know, it's not fun. And, and, and before you get into this. I mean, how much, I would much rather be sitting here talking about 5-1 and one and why the things that are true are. This team could win 10 games. It's a lot and, more fun when you all tune in to, to 
for lack of a better way to put it, celebrate yeah, good times. The hate listening is not great. And not to mention the fact, it's a lot more fun to brag on the people you cover. Because, yeah. look, I, I know I just wrote something that, you know, probably if anybody over there in the SEAL building listens to it, they won't be incredibly happy with it. Here's what people don't think a lot about when you and I do this show. You and I get on here and we criticize these people and we talk about what we think they did wrong and how crazy this was. or And then guess what? As you listen to this today, folks, I'm going to be sitting about a foot in front of Joe Moorhead's face. Like, he could smack me upside the head here, you know? A lot I'd, of, I'd have your back, don't worry. <laughs> a, a lot of you out there, you know, people are like, why, why come, y'all ought to ask him, you know, why he's being so stupid and stuff like that. Like, folks, this is our job, you know? And, yeah. and, and I know you want to say that, but and a lot of you do say that, but you don't go and talk to him every day. You don't know the man. Yeah. Like we do, we do this, and we say these things, and we talk about it, and sometimes it doesn't make people happy, and then we go over there and have to work with and around and talk to these people. Yeah, like people don't think about that. I don't think a lot. I don't like, think they do. Like we we try and bring be as real with this as we can be. Somebody but, yesterday tweeted like, "Why are y'all going to the press conference?" Like, That's my job. <laughs> it's kind of what we get paid we'll call for. Call boss like, "Hey, that game sucks so bad. I'm just going to blow off the press yeah. conference." And, and somebody asked yesterday, too, like, why are y'all even asking, you know, is, should Schrader be the quarterback? Of course he should be the quarterback. Well, I mean, look, you know, those are questions that have to be asked kind of thing. Like, I don't know, man. It, there's All right. Anyway, here, here we, we go. go. 15 things that are true. Number one, the first impression is usually correct. Now, last year, after Joe Moore had, you know, the first three games I thought were great. But, you know, we, we saw there were a couple of problems here and there. They were having some trouble completing passes, and they weren't really involving the running backs. We are like, well, let's, let's let it get into conference play. And then those first two games happened, Kentucky and Florida. And you and I were on this pod early on saying, this doesn't look good long term. Like, this is a huge problem. And then he won a few games, maybe a couple he shouldn't with Auburn and Texas A&M. And then you beat up on Ole Miss, and, and the first impression was correct. It's, it's not going to work. What he's doing offensively is not going to work. I mean, it goes back to what I was saying and, and what's causing all that. The best indicator of the future is the past. Yep. And what we have seen so far is that this style of offense is not working against competent defenses in the what, Southeastern Conference. What is happening here is this, and I'm going to make the – the last coach who wasn't a success at Mississippi State before Joe Moorhead had an offense that was super complicated and required – a quarterback to process an insane amount of information because it was a pro offense. It was a pro offense. And Mississippi State is not going to recruit that kind of quarterback. They just aren't. Garrett Trader is a really good quarterback. But he is not Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Fields. He is not one of the elite high school quarterbacks in the country. The successful coach at Mississippi State, in between those two guys, ran an offense that was pretty simple for his quarterbacks. couple of reads, easy run read, couple of pass reads, be physical, and win the football game. And it worked. And if you want to know a source on which one was more simple, I can only go with the quarterback that played for both guys, and yeah. that's Nick Fitzgerald, who, had, I mean, he, he has said in the past and indicated as much that the Joe Moorhead offensive style was much more different than Dan Mullins yeah. and a little bit more difficult than he originally. In fact, I'll have to go back and find it, but I'm there is a quote, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing the quote because as I sit here, it would take me a minute to go find it, but it was basically 
it was harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Was basically the quote. Yeah. It just that that doesn't work, you know. It can work when you when you have it can work under two circumstances. One, you the teams you are playing, you are vastly superior than or you just have elite talent compared to everybody else. And when you look at Moorhead at Penn State, he had elite talent. McSorley was an all Big Ten quarterback. Saquon Barkley was the best running back, maybe the best player in college football his senior year. Mike Jacecki was a NFL tight end. He had NFL guys at the skill position. He had the Penn State. He, he was recruiting better. That's why the offense worked. Here, it's not so much. you got to be able to out-scheme. And who's, who's a better schemer than Dan Mullen? There isn't one. They got... Not the great, not the best recruiter, not the best coach, because you got to have the total package. But if you're telling me just to call plays, if, if, if I'm going to have an offensive coordinator from the college football coaching ranks, I'm probably going to call Dan Mullen. The guy can call plays. He knows how to run offense. And he knows how to develop players. The first impression of Joe Moorhead was the correct one, unfortunately. Now, that's just sort of where we are. Number two, boy, the national media was ready to forget about Mississippi State. And what I mean by that is this. Mississippi State was a top 25 team after the Southern Miss game. Have you seen anybody writing a story like, what happened to Mississippi State? Have you seen anything on SEC Network? They're just showing the highlights. Oh, well, Mississippi State lost to Tennessee. That's how it's supposed to go, right? Dan Wolken put Mississippi State in his misery index. Fair. But it's obvious that they were just ready. Like They expected it to happen at some point. Ah, this can't continue at Mississippi State. It can't continue. The national media was just ready to say, well, you know. There's Mississippi State. Imagine that, lost to Tennessee. Right back in their place. Right back in their place. That's that is a true statement. Because they, they, they just, you know, Mississippi State was relevant. That that's why that's why right now, 19 games into the Joe Moorhead era, this hurts so bad. Because and I, I, I try and, and look, folks, I'm trying to to tell you that I'm not declaring that state is back in the crew era. I'm not saying that. Some of you may think it. Some of you might say it's there. I'm not saying it's there. I'm saying it is trending that direction right now at this moment. Like right now, if there was a, if, if Mississippi State was a stock, it is falling. Yeah, you need to. It, it is falling, falling, falling. Could it? Could it turn around? It could. It could. And and I as I I repeat again, I hope Joe is the guy to do it because look, he's. Because of how I mean, he is a good dude. He's a he's a family man. He seems like I mean, he has all the traits of somebody that you want to root for. But all he is in the scoreboard business. He is in the business of, of putting up yards and putting up points and winning football games. And all I have to go on through nineteen games is that he's not going to be able to hang. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I have through nineteen games. Yeah, that's, hope- the, that's the other thing too is is. The national media, and look, rightly so. When Moorhead was hired, his resume made you believe he was going to be a success. Where are the stories on why he hasn't been a success? Why isn't who's the person doing the deep dive? Now I realize the athletic doesn't cover Mississippi State, but where's the deep dive on why isn't this working? You know, you've gone through three quarterbacks now, and it's still not working. Two of them are your guys, and that's the thing. The bottom line here isn't so much the wins and the losses. As much as it is, an offense, the, the offense... An offensive it, head coach is running a terrible offense. That is what yes. Kroom did. That is what Kroom did. An offensive head coach. Offense was terrible. Yeah, for, forget records. Go look at points and yardage against competent defenses. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Number three. 
going to play Captain Hindsight here for a minute. But Mississippi State should have offered Dan Mullen more than what Saban makes and offered it publicly. They should have come out and said, we are going to put tear up your contract and offer you $12 million a year. Oh, gosh. Now, they would have been lambasted for that. Yeah. And then they would have been in the Cotton Bowl last year or the Sugar Bowl. And they'd be winning seven or eight games this year. And, and at, at that point, who cares? All right? It's your money. Spend it the way you want. But that's what they should have done. Because here's the thing. Mate, you had to make it not about money. You had, to, you had to make, if he had gone to Florida after, because Florida wasn't going to pay him that. If he had taken a $7 million a year pay cut, at least you would have known. You would have known there was nothing you could do. Because if you offered him close or anything, that, that, it's not, it doesn't work. You should, have, you should have gone all in. Been like, we're going to make you the highest paid coach in college football. By a large margin. You have the money. They got the money. The money's not the issue. And don't tell me boosters wouldn't have come up with more. They would have. Especially know if they got if they could know now what they knew then. Well, that that's that's another part of this, man. Was that it ain't like Dan Mullen woke up the day after the egg bowl and said, "Yeah, you know what, Megan, Florida looks nice." Well, I mean, but that's he, he was plotting his exit. There should have been something. I mean, they had the U-Haul pack for the egg bowl. Even was they should they should have had something like November first, been like, "We're going to do this." You know, once you start getting the whiff that he's looking around for real this time, you should they should have there should have been some sort of fight to stop it. And there, I don't feel like there was. I don't, I, and I don't I, know that it would have been enough. I don't know that. But I feel better about it. I don't blame Mississippi State for not doing that. Because, to me, it, it's the equivalent are you, of... Are you saying it's not true? I, I, yeah. Because, I mean, it's the equivalent of if, you're, you know, if your girlfriend is out there, you know, she's going on dates with other guys all weekend or whatever. I mean, at some point, you just let them go. Like, there's no need to keep putting up with that. And And Dan had showed repeatedly that... Yeah, but he had no interest in staying at Mississippi. He also State. had shown repeatedly he could win, and you have that. Th- this is I get this that, is the ugly guy, the ugly guy with the pretty girl, and you got to do what you got to do. Get to hang that, on. but if he doesn't want to be here, and you pay but him you have all to that make money, him, you have to make him say that. You had to make him say that. You had to make him say, "I'm willing to turn down six million dollars less a year to go." Make make him say that, and that's also what like 20 percent of your athletic Who budget ca- at that point. Football is what drives the athletic budget. What are season ticket sales going to be next year? We've talked about that schedule. What are they going to be? They're going to be bad. I bet I bet you lose more money on that than you would have lost paying Dan Mullen. And that twelve million is a lot. I mean, but you, you could have said eight. You could have said you, seven you, and a half. Seven and a half. Something ridiculous. Eight. Now you're getting to an more, area where you I'm could have you. publicly said we're going to pay you more than whatever, and whatever Florida pays, we'll double it. Something, anything. But you didn't. And you're also, too, and I know you're doing this. You're doing that, and you said it with a little bit of hindsight. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of hindsight. <laughs> a ton. I mean, if you, if you take yourself back to that day right after the Egg Bowl, I don't think you feel the same way. You're doing you, – a lot of the way you feel right now is completely hindsight related. It, well, that's, that's what I said, though. I said it was in hindsight. Yeah. So. Number four. There is no worse look than former players calling you out. That's bad. Especially one that played for you. One that played for look Dixon and Banks and Ben Beckwith. At this point, they're emotional. They they are totally allegiant to the program. Yeah, all right. They are Mississippi State people. Braxton Hoyette played a year for Joe Moorhead, and he's saying we got to have a change. That is bad. That is bad. 
I was we talked about this, and I don't think it would ever happen. But God Almighty, what would happen if Dak tweeted? What is Mrs. What's going on in Mississippi State? What is Joe Moorhead doing? That that would be the end. You have to fire him the next day. <laughs> but that is just that's almost not even a joke. Like oh no, it's, I, no no no, it's, I was totally serious. If Dak Prescott called out Joe Moorhead, that's the end. <laughs> that's how it goes down. But have former players calling you out is the is the worst thing ever. When it, and especially when they're talking about culture. Yeah. You know, they're not talking about execution or we've got to get better players in there. Well, you know, those guys aren't good enough. They're saying that the culture has changed. B- Banks seems to insinuate that the players of the Mullen era aren't as welcome around. You know, and Moorhead has talked about that in the past, and he said that he he's welcomed those guys. Which I have trouble believing. I'm not saying Banks is lying. I'm saying something. There's a, there's a disconnect here somewhere. Well, some of that, I, I want to defend Joe and the staff here a little bit. Some okay. of that is it's an entirely new staff. Like those guys did not. They don't know these players. You know. That, like, I mean, I get and, that, and that just feels different. And I'm not saying that that Banks and those guys don't feel the way that they seem to end. Or I guess it was Jonathan that seemed to indicate that he felt that way. Yeah. But. I'm not saying that he he doesn't feel that way. It could be a very genuine feeling that he feels that way, but you're walking into a building with a coaching staff of full of guys that you didn't play for and you didn't. They don't know you really, other than who you are, kind of thing. I mean, they have a responsibility. I but think, but that's to, part of coaching. Is there, there's always change. Yeah, you know. But the players are what make the program, and so it's it, a bad look either way. It's, but it's I, just it's so bad, especially when you have. There are message board fans like you got to either support the program or get out. And then Jonathan Banks and Anthony Dixon say there's a problem. What are you going to tell them? The guys who bled for you. You're going to tell them they got they got mental issues is what some people have said. That's 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 another thing. That's another piece that starts pushing people out the door. Do you think? And we're doing a lot of speculating here. You can't have any choice. What do I say all the time? I said it heck in the in the open here in my whatever you want to call it at the beginning. Yeah. I really like Joe. Like he is a folks, for those of you that don't know, he is a good dude. Like he just is. Like you can shoot the breeze or with him beyond that though. But what I'm asking you is is he too is he too nice? Is he too good? He might be in, too, in this too team? much of a player's coach. Yeah. Because possible. here look again it is not Joe Moorhead's fault for Tudorgate. I want to say that a million times. It's not Joe Moorhead's fault for Tudorgate. It's not Joe Moorhead's fault for Tudorgate. But could that be anything related to the fact that, that you have a team full of guys under a head coach that isn't quite the the disciplinarian maybe that he might need to be? That I father. I, fi- I, I, don't I don't know. know the answer to that. We're speculating, but I'm just saying, like between that and the fact that sometimes on the field they seem undisciplined, and th- like sometimes. I don't know. It just seems like Daddy might need to get his belt off every now and then. I mean, like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. That, that, that there is definitely a discipline problem, and there, there's. I mean, they're not. They're soft. That's team's, another part of it. This team is soft, and Mississippi State football. They, they were getting pushed around by Tennessee. Exactly. Mississippi State football under Dan Mullen was never soft. They may not win every game, but you knew they were going out there and hit you every play. They were that team. Those, those teams were never soft. You know, the the softest one might have been the fifteen team, just because they didn't have the running game. But every other team, he was he was running the ball hard, and defensively they played hard nosed. I thought the sixteen defense, believe this or not, I thought they played hard. They were just horribly coached and always out of position. But I never thought it was an effort issue with them. So the, there's effort issues now. That's what guys, those guys are talking about with culture, I believe. All right, number five. 
go ahead and get a nice out of the way here. But Vanderbilt and Ole, and Ole Miss combined for 69 points against Bama and LSU. If I said right now, Mississippi State, Bama, and LSU, 17 and a half combined points in those two games, would you take it? So you're saying that State, all they'd have to do to top that is just nine points a game? Yeah. Would you take it? I think they topped that. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it. And I, I certainly, I mean, Vanderbilt is the worst team maybe in the country. They, they are, they lost, uh, the last score I saw was 34 10 to, to UNLV, UNLV, who had one win against an FBS, an FCS team coming into that game. And they went on the road and beat an SEC team. Vanderbilt is awful, but they scored 38 points on uh, LSU or 31 points on LSU or whatever it was, 38, I don't know. Ole Miss, we all love to hate on them. And yeah, a lot of their points were in garbage time. But hell, they had the lead at one point. Will State have the lead against LSU or Alabama at any point in the game? No. I mean, not unless it's like somehow magically 3 nothing at the beginning. Or, or you know, if, if it somehow returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. That's it. That's the only way. But That's yeah. the most frustrating part of this is how bad State is against competent teams. Yeah. I, the reason I think they top, what would you say, 17 and a half yeah. in most of the games is Bama isn't what they've been in the past defensively. They they, they weren't they, – they got – Alabama's defense last year was not a top 10 defense. It was like 17th. State got no points. That's true. But – They got I, LSU's defense last year. They got three points. You, your point is valid, but if you're asking me, I, I think that they top I don't. I, I, I don't think that. I don't. Number six. Schrader, 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 Schrader. It's over. It's over for Tommy Stevens. It is over. There will be a riot if he starts the LSU game. People may come onto the field. It's over. You have to see that. You have to see that it's over. Something Tommy Stevens was 9 for 9 against USM. He hurts his shoulder, and he has not been the same. He's battled evidently three different injuries, and I think the emergence and the embrace of the MSU fan base of Garrett Schrader has affected him. And I thought about that some this weekend. You know, Stevens was not the most popular guy. A lot of people wanted Keaton Thompson to start. And so, but when Stevens was playing well, you could, what can you say? You know, he played well in the first game, and he was playing well against Southern. So what can you say? But then Schrader comes in and he's good. A lot of those people, they just they just changed jerseys. They went over to Schrader. And then you had a lot of other people who just embraced Schrader because he's He's sort of kooky. He's, he's, he's a character, but he's also playing really well. He looks like Fitzgerald did, but it was like he looks like a better version of Nick Fitzgerald at times. And above all the, all else, since the first six quarters of the season, the team's offense moves the football better when Garrett Schrader is on it's the field. over. Garrett Schrader has to be the starting quarterback of this football team going forward. You know what I feel bad for in all this, by the way? Tommy Stevens? No. I, I, I do feel bad for him, but no. Keaton Thompson. Why did we go through this? We could it could have just been Keaton Thompson the whole time. The record wouldn't be any worse. They would be no worse than three and three with Keaton Thompson right now. No worse. And you could you wouldn't have had to put your quarterback room into upheaval. You know you know who's to blame for that, right? Yeah. Just yeah. I mean I mean I know it's a hindsight yeah. kind of deal again, but Schrader, Schrader. Schrader is the quarterback. 
That's it. That's it. Which leads us to number seven. He only changed because of two turnovers. That's why they changed? Not the general ineffectiveness of the offense to move the football, but he threw two picks. That's that's why they changed. Not because they couldn't move the football. Not because the first six plays went nowhere. Not because Stevens missed a couple of wide-open receivers with balls that were skipping off the dirt. Sat in the pocket too long. Not because he took three sacks because he couldn't get rid of the ball in a timely fashion. The turnovers. I get changing because of turnovers. God knows. I watched Michael Henning throw six picks in one game, and nobody (laughs) pulled him. I get that, all right? But that's not why you're making the change. You're making the change because the offense wasn't doing anything. Now, not that it did too much under Garrett Schrader, but once he got going in the the fourth quarter, imagine if you've been doing that the whole game. There's no doubt in my mind State wins the game if Schrader just starts a quarterback. I hate to say that. I hate to say that after a double-digit loss. I do. But come on. You need the running threat that he provides, and he's just a, he's just as solid a passer. Well, if Schrader starts the game, you may not be playing catch up all game, right? You're probably which is, not. It's part of you're it. probably not. Yeah, so. and, and and again, we're doing some conjecture sure. there. Schrader, Schrader, Schrader. I want I want on Monday. I want Joe Moorhead to say Garrett Schrader is the starting quarterback of this team. He won't, but he should. He felt resigned to it too. Watch it. Go watch the press conference. I got it. it's up at uh, Super Talks. I'm sorry, Sports Talk Mississippi's Facebook page. When he's asked about it, you could tell he was resigned to that change. You know, he wasn't proactive about it. He wasn't. We got to make a change. It was. What else can I do? You talk about Joe Moorhead pulling this train out of the ditch here. Step one, I think, is standing up there Monday and saying Garrett Trader's my quarterback. I think that's step one. Yeah, like I agree. You, you just go ahead and say from this point forward. It's Garrett's team. Like I think that that is the beginning of it. That's the beginning of getting the fans back on your side a little bit. Quite frankly, and I am I'm doing some guessing here, but the, the the team loves Schrader. They seem to. Like you ask them about Schrader, and like their eyes light up, and they praise what that kid does and how hard he works. Um, I think you win the fans. I think you win the team. And I'm not saying the team hates Tommy. I, I think, I'm not saying that at all. I think. Tommy Stevens is a great dude, and like Brian said, I mean, I hate it for him that this this has kind of happened this way. But I, I, I think that Joe earns a ton of points from everybody by coming out on Monday and saying, Garrett Trader's my quarterback. And, oh, by the way, if you do that, you have the best quarterback in there. There you go. So uh, it's a win, 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 win for everybody. Yep. So I, I think that the first step of Joe Moorhead turning this, this ship around is that. Yeah. Number eight. Did better in practice is the worst kind of coach speak. Well, Dan Mullen did that all the time. And I didn't like it then. I, I know. Did better in practice is what, what he's saying is, you can't prove that I'm not telling the truth. Now, is he telling the truth? I don't think he's just up there lying to us. But I can't prove that. If I was allowed to go to practice and watch and track things, I could prove it. Here's what I'll say to that. Garrett said in his postgame presser, that he had been hurting all week. That's fine. So, I mean, it was like double tech. Like, it wasn't just Joe but saying But I'm just that, saying, saying, I can't it. stand it when a coach does that to me. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I can't, because I can't verify it. You know, Mullen used to do that. Oh, yeah, well, he, you know, he did it with the kickers. Yeah. Like, well, he, was, he, he, he was 36 he, or 40 this week in practice. I have no idea if that's true or not. <laughs> you could have just made up two numbers, and I don't know. I don't know the answers, because I'm not allowed to go. Yeah. You know, 
But what I see on the field, what I can watch, what I'm allowed to see, it's not even close anymore. So yeah. don't tell me he's better in practice. You yeah. know, we, we've heard – again, we don't get to see hardly any practice, so who, who knows. Yeah. But We, we haven't I, been to practice since, since the last practice we were allowed like to Like middle of August. Yeah. Remember when we had media day and we, we had some issues talking with Tommy and Keaton, and they, after that we weren't allowed to see practice. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, where I was going a while ago was – I was always told that Dak wasn't the greatest practice QB. Right. Like he just – for whatever reason, it was when the lights came on that he really – perform the best kind of thing. So, who knows? Though, like you say, we didn't, we never get to see it. But as long as you're not s- straight up slacking off in practice, I, I don't care. I care about who plays better in the games. It's one thing. Look, if, if somebody's coming to practice and they're not practicing yeah. and they're not trying, and there's like, oh, well, I'm just going to play in the game. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That I can't take. I won't take that. But if you're going to tell me that the, you know, well, he was 18 to 20 and and, and Schrader was 15 to 20, I don't care. Yeah. To be clear, we're not complaining that we don't watch practice. No, I don't what, want to watch practice. What we're saying is but what happens in the game should be what matters. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're saying. <laughs> we don't care that we don't see the practice. It's, it's, like it's when, the fact that what we see with our eyes when the lights are on yeah. is that Schrader's the better QB. When, when, it's like when Peter Griffin was like, <laughs> my next witness is the ghost that never lies. <laughs> but only I can hear him. So, yeah. All right. Uh, where are we? Number nine. You want to laugh? Ready? I'm Ready for a laugh? Nick Fitzgerald held this offense back. <laughs> what a lie that is. People believe that. I believed it. It was wrong. Nick Fitzgerald is owed. Somebody, I don't know if they tweeted it or it was on a message board. They said, we should have a game where Nick Fitzgerald comes back and all 65,000 people stand up and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nick Fitzgerald held this offense back. What a joke. That is a joke at this point. Guy, if anything, he made it work. I got nothing to add. I got nothing to add. We we owe Nick Fitzgerald an apology. Number ten, a quote from former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, Kissinger, who once said, "Whatever must happen ultimately should happen immediately." If you're looking at Joe Moorhead today and you're thinking. It's not going to work, buddy. Don't don't let it fester. You know, slap a bandaid on that thing and get out. Of, get, get start 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 the healing process. The problem is number eleven. It will not happen immediately, nor will it happen in the near future. I'm buying in. I'm putting my 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 draw my line in the sand right now. November 2020. November 2020. He's not he's not getting out this year. He's not. Even even four and eight. I think he'd stay, with an egg bowl loss. I think he'd still be another year because I mean, what you because what you're telling John Cohen is you got to fire that guy that you hired, and now your three big hires, Canizero, Moorhead, and Lamonis, you're one for three. Now in baseball, that would get you into the Hall of Fame. Not so much in the athletic director world. So I mean, John Cohen is invested to keep this guy and try to make it. You know, try to give him every opportunity to be successful. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take this for it to happen this year. I mean, I, Abilene, losing to Abilene Christian seems like it's almost impossible. But were that to be the case, if you go three and nine somehow, then it would happen. I think. But four, even at four and eight, I don't think it's you know even you know Ole Miss coming in here and winning the egg. But by the way, right now, just for me, 
I would think Ole Miss would be favored in the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State. I think, and this isn't a thing that's true, but what's going to make people mad, when you watch Ole Miss, even when they're not talented, you know, they've played Missouri. You, know, you look at the teams they've beaten. They've beaten crap teams. Memphis obviously isn't as good as anybody thought they were going to be. Uh, you know, Vandy is awful. Southeast Louisiana is an FCS team. Arkansas is awful. They did you a favor, but other than that, but at least it looks like they play hard, right? When you watch Ole Miss, I don't question the effort. Plumlee's out there running hard. Scotty Phillips and Ely are running hard. Their defense looks like they're trying to get after it. They've switched with Mississippi State. I always thought Ole Miss was the soft team. They played played finesse offense, and they didn't want to really get after it. And State was and the State punch was the team. Well, they'll punch you in the mouth. The roles have reversed. I feel like Ole Miss is the grittier team. And that's got to be frustrating, you know. That it's frustrating for Mississippi State people to watch that. It it, it just is, you know. So, right now the Egg Bowl is is it's in doubt, and there's no margin for error. Do you have any any of the other things that are true about the, the rest of the schedule there? Because I think this is a time to to pull out the fact that there are no the rest of the schedule is other than Abilene Christian, you could lose them all. Yeah. Well, why would I think you know they're going to go up to Arkansas and win? When has Mississippi State gone on the road and played good? One time in SEC play, and it was last year's Egg Bowl. I mean, I'm not totally convinced that Arkansas isn't better than Tennessee. I'm right. I'm not. So, I mean, you know? if Tennessee can beat you, Arkansas can absolutely We'll, we'll beat talk you. a little bit more about those teams in just a minute. But, no, you're not wrong. You have to beat Arkansas, Evelyn Christian, and Ole Miss. I don't think you're going to win at Texas A&M. That's it. You have to win those games. Unless you're going to somehow pull a huge upset. Right now, you're an 18-point underdog to LSU, which I'm, I am beyond shocked it's not more than that. Alabama, you're probably going to be a three-touchdown underdog to them. And you're probably a two-touchdown underdog to Texas A&M. And why would I think you're going to go on the road and score more than 10 points? And that's the same thing with Arkansas. If Arkansas can get two touchdowns on the board, they'll probably win. That's the team you beat 52-6 to six last year, by the way. But to, I mean, why would I think... Best indicator of the future is the past. Why would I think you could do it? I don't. Uh, number 12. Bob Shoup has to get a pass. Defensively, they played good enough to win. I know they, 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 they had the breakdown at the worst possible time. Yeah. But 20 points was enough. That, that, that was enough to win. When they have the full complement of guys, the defense is functional. It's not. It, it, if we're not going to blame Joe Moorhead, we certainly cannot blame Bob Shoup for what's happened. If he had Autry, Gay, and Murphy out there the whole time, this defense would be good enough to win. They might have beaten Kansas State. Bob Shoup did, at least in my eyes, exactly what I expected Bob Shoup to do on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Or, excuse me, on Saturday. Because mm-hmm. if you'll remember, what the final score I predicted was Tennessee 20, mm-hmm. Mississippi State 34. Yeah. Tennessee scored 20. Yeah. Hit that on the head. I had Tennessee with 20. I had 24-20. So we both had Bob Shoup. He did, exact, he did exactly he, what he we delivered. Said. <laughs> yeah, but I thought the game plan was good. By the way, just a real quick aside: Did you hear this that Tennessee wouldn't let Shoup's son practice with the team? I did not hear that. That they were afraid he would give information to his father. How paranoid are SEC coaches? It's beyond the pale. Why would you like help your father beat you? Yeah, how, how talk about something that would end your career if you want to get into coaching? Why? Why would you do that? That's this. I mean, makes sense. But I give, I'm giving Bob Shoup a pass. I don't. I don't. I don't care what happens against LSU with Bob Shoup. They give up 60 points. Well, hell, they're giving up. LSU's killing everybody. I don't care. 
when he has his full defense, they're going to pass. That's something that gives you some hope for the Arkansas and the Ole Miss games. Now, although Autry will miss one of those. But it's obvious that when you have those guys out there, the defense is at least good enough to keep you in the game. Isn't it something? Like, if, if, you, if you lose the LSU game 51-31, to 31, you're thrilled, right? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. If they scored 31 on points. LSU, I would, be, I would come on here and be like, well, maybe there is some hope. I know, man. Like, that's all you got to – that's the thing, man. It goes back to what we're saying. It's not the record. You know, don't don't be full. It's not the record. It's the fact that, again, State went on the road to play a defense that's just competent. They're not even good. They're just kind of competent. They're, they, statistically, they're what? Like middle of the pack in the SEC defensively? Yeah. Maybe even worse than that. And you put up oh, 10, no, they're worse than that, yeah. 10 points and, what, 260 yards? Yeah. That's, uh, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. Number 13. The inability to get Kylan Hill touches beyond carries up the middle is maybe the most frustrating thing to me to watch this offense. <laughs> He's getting the carries now. It's just not. Yeah. Well, now it's like, what could you, they bottled up the middle? You can't go up the middle. You shall not pass. So what do you do? You just write him off. I go okay. Throw a screen. Throw a quick pass out in the flat. You know, run that, wide. Where's the pre-snap? The Auburn game is going to be burned in my head forever from two years ago. Where has that gone? What happened to that? Why can they not do more than just hand him the ball up the middle? It goes back to something that, for my little unintelligent football mind, I don't get. And that is this. It may be my biggest problem with the Moorhead off. It seems like sometimes, a lot of times, there's an inability to adapt to what they're seeing. Like, we heard Daryl Williams say it on Saturday. Joe Moorhead said it on Saturday that Tennessee was doing some twists or something or had like an uneven defensive front or something. That was why they couldn't run the ball. Like, Mm -hmm. do you not have guys on staff paid to – and you're the, you know, calling the offensive ball. Is there not somebody that can scheme something to try and, you know, do something different to get around that, you know? Like, it's – it just it's baffling. If you know what they're doing and why you're not able to do what you want to do, adjust, adapt, yeah. do something different. Is that not some somebody else I knew didn't adjust? Somebody else what did he say? We're gonna run it up the middle and if we only gain a yard, that's all we'll gain. Something like that. Didn't he say that? Need something about something about you know, we're close. If you don't see the progress, you're blind. Somebody else said that. I don't remember who he was. Maybe somebody else out there remembers. I don't remember. I blocked it out. <sighs> God. Have you have you got reached the end here? We're, we're, what number are we on? We got two more. Okay. Well, I, I had a question for you before we completely. Go ahead. Well, it's just because look, I, people, you've been listening now for what thirty minutes or so, maybe more than that. I hadn't timed it. Um, we're we're sitting on almost fifty minutes. Oh, okay. Well. We've it, it's been bashed Joe Moorhead hour a little bit here. It had to be, but like, what does he have to do to pull this thing out? Like, what does he have to do to change your mind? Is it even? I know we don't. Somebody asked me that earlier. Somebody asked me that already. There is nothing he can do this year. It has to be about next year. I mean, got to somehow win eight games next year. You know. Because I don't know what they're going to do this year. But even if they go six and six, I'm going to be I'm going to be looking at this Tennessee and this Kansas State games. Why'd you lose those games? Doesn't make any sense. So, 
I don't know if there's anything he can do this year. I'm just I'm, I'm just going to stick with the status quo on that, and then we'll see what happens next year. Okay. And next year, it's either you're going to be much better, or it's going to be time to go. Uh, we're number 14. The bottom of the SEC is putrid. These are six of the worst Power Five teams in the country. Tennessee, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Arkansas. Did I leave somebody out? Vandy. Vanderbilt. Yeah, Vandy's the worst of the bunch. Vandy might very well be the worst Power Five team in the country. Um, yeah, that old thing about the SEC, the bottom of the league, is no. Worth it. No, that ain't the case now. Two, two of these teams might go to bowls, by the way. It could happen. I don't think Tennessee is. State could still get in a bowl. So could Ole Miss. Kentucky could still get into a bowl. That dang Egg Bowl is going to be two five-win teams going to winner, it could be. winner to a bowl. It could be. I mean, Ole Miss has got three wins. They're three and four. They still have one more non-conference game against like New Mexico, so they're going to win that. So who else are they going to beat? Texas A&M? They get A&M at home. They could. They could win that game. They could win that game. They're not going to beat LSU. They play Auburn when Auburn will still be without Booby Whitlow, but I think Auburn's still powerful. Auburn's good enough defensively that they'll just grind one out there. They'll beat all, they won't lose to Auburn. They won't lose to LSU. They obviously uh, – or they won't beat LSU. I'm sorry, they won't beat Auburn. So A and M is if they beat A and M, A and M or Auburn's who they got to beat. It's not going to be Auburn. Auburn's too good defensively. That Ole Miss's offensive line is a train yeah, wreck. That's yeah. It could be. Could be very well be two five win teams, and the winner goes to a bowl, and the loser doesn't. Like the '86 Egg Bowl was, but the, the, but these teams are awful. They're just so bad. And South Carolina would have been on this list if they had not pulled off maybe the biggest upset <laughs> that I can remember. Um, but yeah, they, they, those are those are bad teams, and it's amazing that states now in the mentioned in that group. Yeah, eighteen games ago, state was a top twenty team, and was being talked about in terms of could challenge Alabama, dark horse in the SEC. Now, it's all gone. Number fifteen. There's no reason to hope for improvement with Joe Moorhead. It, it, I, I'm I'm with you on it. It's 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 just not going to happen. He is what he is. Well, uh, all you have at this point mm-hmm. is hope. I don't have any hope. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you want to – if somebody out there – I have no problem with a fan saying that I'm going to ride or die, you know, true that, maroon to the end, that, I'm going to believe that's, that, that's, that's it, That's okay. That's the, only pe- the only people who are still with Joe Moorhead at this point are those people. Look, there's nothing wrong at all. The, there's nothing wrong, with there's nothing wrong with supporting Joe Moorhead until the day he's no longer the Mississippi State head coach, whether that's – tomorrow or whether it's 50 years down the road there there isn't anything wrong with supporting the man don't misunderstand what i'm saying what i'm saying and what you're saying i believe is that you you got to be some kind of sunshine pumper to think there's a chance here like i i don't know what you're basing it on if you think that there is other than blind hope and it's sad that it's gotten to that point but I mean, yeah. what that, have what if, if you are a person who's saying I believe in Joe Moorhead, what you're saying is I believe in the Mississippi State head coach. Yeah. I believe in coach regardless of who it blank. is. Blank. There, and there is anything wrong with that. No. But you're just probably going to be disappointed. You're probably yeah. Well, no, they won't. Yeah, they because won't. you're always going to have a coach. You'll always have the coach. You know, whoever the next guy no is, the next is. guy is. That's what that's what it is. But for me, I, I will not hold out for hope on this one because I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I, I, there, there's what happened on Saturday. Again, I hate the word inexcusable. I'm not gonna. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't use it, but there's no explanation. It's it's unexplainable. What happened was unexplainable. Tennessee 
had given up. They gave up 38 points to Georgia State. Not Georgia. Georgia State. And State got 10. Well, here's another here's another knock on Joe Moorhead. Mm-hmm. Tennessee State should have beat them. They are at least improving a little week to week. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss, they're improving week yeah. to week. State's getting worse, folks. Yeah. They're getting worse every time and out. And then now, now you're at the point where you've had these two back-to-back terrible games against teams that obviously aren't as good as you thought they were. Tennessee obviously is not good at all. And Auburn is not as good as people may have wanted to make them out to be. And now here comes the hottest team in the country, mm-hmm. the team that really should be ranked number one in the nation. The best offense in the country is coming here. I mean, I fully expect the east side, because we can't see the west side. But when I look out across the press box, I fully expect to see more purple and gold and maroon and white. Could see it. I, I won't be surprised. All right. Man. Man. I mean, uh, it's just, just like, can I just... None of this, this gave me any pleasure, guys. I was going to say, this is no fun. Yeah, and, and I'm beyond it, anger, too. I'm, I'm, I'm almost to apathy. I'm almost to, you know, just like, I'm just going to show up, do my stuff, and go home. Well, I, I got no investment in it. Here's what makes this, this, this kind of show hard for me. I'm going to be a, real with you guys. I don't like to be a critic. Like, I hate it. Like, yeah. I, I don't, it's one of the reasons why I, I like just sticking to news stories and yeah. some features here and there. And don't, don't, don't venture out too much into opinions and columns, even yeah. though I have a podcast where you all kind of are tuning in for opinion. But I, I don't like being a critic. But if this was Dan Mullen, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have any problem being a critic. Because, look, Dan Mullen was a little bit of a jerk. He just he just can be. A, he he a, would tell you that a little bit, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. So it just wouldn't be hard. Ah, well, you know, it's hard with Joe because I, I can't stress enough how much he is a guy that personally I root for because I like I, I like him so much and I hope that he succeeds. But that's why I'm rooting for him is because he is a really good dude and I like to see really good people do well. But take all that away mm-hmm. and just use your eyeballs on Saturdays and look at the statistics and look yeah. at what you've seen. And, folks, <laughs> if it wasn't a dude that I really like, like, I, I, I would have no qualms at all sitting here saying it just ain't going to work. The only thing that keeps me kind of holding out hope is the fact that I'm rooting for the man. Yeah. To, and to and it's, just, it, it's, it's just painful, man. It really is to sit here and do this. It's just... But to me, well, at its core, people are just scared that we're going back a decade and a half. That's that's the that, big, that's the fear here. That's the biggest fear is that are we about to get back to you know? I always talked about was it remember, was his name Robbie Caldwell, the coach at Vanderbilt before Franklin? I think that's right. Sounds and right. then I always said that with Franklin at Vanderbilt, when he left, it was like he was never there. That they went straight from two and ten to two and ten, and there wasn't that period where they won nine games twice. Because that's how good a coach he was. I hope that it's not the case here. That's going to be like Mullen was never here. Last year, the, the the defense was so good that I think that five losses was the most you could have lost. He, I think Joe Moorhead did as poor a job as you possibly could have with that team because the defense was just too good to let you lose more than that. It wasn't. It was just. It was not physically possible. So that means if if the the floor the absolute floor for that team was five losses, and that's what he did. Again, 
I'm, I've said the statement, the stat so many times, it drives me crazy, but he lost five games in a year where his team gave up less than a touchdown per game. That doesn't, I mean, that think say that out loud if you have to. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't register in the head. It's like saying I have, I sp- it's, it's like saying I spent more money than I have. Like, I physically spent it. Like, I had $20 and somehow I bought a $30 thing. That doesn't make sense, right? How does it make sense to lose five games when you didn't give up a touchdown per game overall? You lost three games, or sorry, you lost two games where you gave up one touchdown. One. That's insane. Let's talk about some other things. Let's talk about something important. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. All right. Who's not getting any coffee today? You can get coffee. All you've got to do is go to Strange Brew Coffee House or go to Turn and Spoon Ice Cream. You need to treat yourself. You need to make yourself feel a little bit better. Of course, it's getting cold out. It's finally getting cold. For real cold. It's time for some hot chocolate. It's time for some of those great hot beverages they have. And of course, as we get closer to Halloween, it is pumpkin spice time. Get spooky with the pumpkin spice over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Turn and Spoon Ice Cream. Joe Moorhead is getting no coffee. He's not even allowed to smell the coffee. If he goes to the grocery store, he's not allowed to go down the coffee aisle. Right? No coffee for Joe Moorhead. I'm not blaming anybody else. That's fair, man. At this point. I didn't even talk about Joey Jones and another game. Who also doesn't need coffee. Another game with special teams issues. Every game there are special teams issues. But at the end of the day, this is Joe Moorhead's team. He's. I'm not sure how I'm going to ask this. But he keeps saying, we got to fix it, we got to fix it. How do you fix it? What are you personally, as the head coach of this team, going to do to fix it? Pick me something out of that needs to be fixed. How do you fix that? Well, that's what I want to know. It's going to be something about... Uh, it's going to have three three, name, three words. Something and about precision. Precision, and, and, and it, 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 it's going to be crap. It's going to be crap. I mean, it is the... <laughs> In all honesty, that kind of thing is probably the answer. Execution and precision, that's probably the answer. But, no, no, no. but how do you pull that out of That's them, what I'm saying. It's like, okay, it's execution. But how do you fix it? You can't go out there and execute. How do you fix it? I want to know. Georgia. No. No coffee over there in Athens. You can go get drunk, but you can't have any coffee. Y'all, y'all can go right there. Big game Kirby Smart is a th- Kirby Smart is a thing. Yeah, he can't coach in big games. Well, apparently, big game whoever the Georgia coach is. is a thing. Did you see the the tweet that went around that like through their first fifty games, Mark Richt had a better record than Kirby Smart and had the same number of accolades in terms of SEC title, SEC East titles, and he never lost at home to an unranked team. And Smart has done it four times now. You know. Lord, people. What are they going to do? I'm taking this another direction here for a second, if that's okay. Yeah. Like, maybe you disagree here. Mm -hmm. If there is a day soon where State is looking for a new head coach, Mm -hmm. I'd be all on the Mark Rick bandwagon if he wants to like get back in it. I think his his time is coming. You think so? Yeah. But here's the thing with Kirby Smart: like, what do they do if this doesn't work? They fired Rick because they wanted to be better. They wanted, to, they wanted to elevate. They wanted to go from what they considered good to what they consider great. And they've played for a national title, but they didn't win it. Like, what? Could they be the one, instead of Alabama, 
that gets Dabo out of out of out of Clemson. Imagine them saying, "Come, come an hour, come an hour south." Ooh, basically, how great a story would that be? That would be one of the greatest stories ever. It would be unbelievable. Sign that, me up for that. If that happened, I would laugh really, really hard. They just said, if they told Dabo Sweeney, fifteen million a year, they've got that money. Don't tell me Georgia can't come up with fifteen mil. You're spending a lot of money today. State's playing Dan Mullen twelve, thirteen million. Hey, you got. You got to do what you, you got to do. Georgia paying. You got to do what 15. you got to do to win. <laughs> you want to win? You got to pay. <laughs> Georgia is. I just don't get it. There's no, there's no. South Carolina was a 24 point underdog, and they won the game. And come on, South Carolina lost to North Carolina, who is bad. They lost. I mean, they're not good. And they went to Athens and won. Oh, come on. Yeah. I thought nationally, not a lot really happened. But Nebraska, who I think is a two-time no-coffee getter. Uh, you're getting no coffee, though, in big red country. Yeah, you can just drink some corn squeezins. No, no. They were, how were they ranked? They're four and three. Talk about, talk about this Joe Moorhead situation and state fans are disappointed. How disappointed are Nebraska fans? They brought Scott Frost home to win. And he's four and three in year two with his, and he's got his quarterback. Adrian Martinez was like this preseason super dark horse Heisman. What? No. You know who does get some coffee? Minnesota. They're six and zero, oh, and their next two games are against Rutgers and Maryland. PJ Fleck is rowing the boat to coffee. He's rowing the coffee river. They're gonna be eight and zero. Oh. Could the Big Ten West come down to my favorite rivalry game, the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe? I hope so. I like I like it when that game is good. Paul Bunyan's axe is by far my favorite rivalry game, by the way. What? Okay, so the first off, the trophy is this giant axe. But they keep it on the winning team's sideline. Which means when the losing team if the team that wins it is the other team, they rush the sideline to get the axe. I love that. Can you imagine if the egg ball trophy was on Ole Miss's sideline last year and they had run over there to get it? We'd still be fighting that battle. People would have had a birthday in the middle of the brawl. We'd have been up in the press box throwing hands with Garrett and, and Rippy. Pier six brawl. Which, by baby. the way, we would have won. I feel very confident in saying if there was ever a tag team match between Thunder and Lightning and Rippy and Garrett, we're winning. I mean, that's a squash match. We're winning. That's gonna be one of those things where you like you have just beaten down Garrett. You've just you've just taken him out, and that's when you tag me in. And it's sort of like. If Shawn Michaels and the Big Show were tagging together, <laughs> and like everybody, like he's completely defeated. Now the big man's coming in. I'm just going to sit on him, basically, at that point. Yeah, calling you out, Garrett. Anytime. We're getting the octagon for charity. All right. I feel bad about today's show. I really do. I'll be tomorrow. We can move forward and just actually talk about some news. Uh, this week on the show. We probably didn't make any friends at the SEAL complex today. I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what to tell them. I don't know what to tell those people. You know? some, some might agree. Well, they, they might, but they don't know they can't. They're not allowed to say it. Yeah. I just, you know, that's what I saw, man. That's what I saw when I watched the game. Um, tomorrow, or this rest of this week, obviously LSU week, I've already talked to my friend Brody Miller at The Athletic. He'll talk to us hey, uh, Brody. this week. Uh, and, of course, you, you knew from last year, but we'll go and tell you it's happening again this year that there will be the return of This Is Our Show 
on Friday. Myself, Stephen Agostinelli from SixPacksBeat.com, all of his brothers will join us, as will our good friend Peter Burns from the SEC Network. Is so, it, so I have a question now. So you got an extra day off? Is what you're trying to? I'm trying to tell you. Okay, so we're not. You and I will not do a Thursday for no, Friday show. All okay, of uh, look Friday. Friday show will be a, the. This is our show that we do every year for the LSU game. Hey. Uh, so that will be back uh, as well. So lots to talk about this week. Plus, well, tomorrow I got to talk a little basketball. We got some basketball. The Cruton song tomorrow. Big, big recruiting basketball. Completely under the radar. It, it, nobody's talking about it, but it's a big signing for Ben Howland. We'll talk about him tomorrow, along with recapping what Joe Moorhead said at his press conference. Uh, we'll do our SEC picks tomorrow. Joel back in it, only one game down. Uh, MSU LSU two thirty kickoff. Much as we said last week that the winner of the LSU Florida game was going to get that kickoff. That's what's happening now. Uh, Everybody's like, "What well, now?" State's going to get stomped on national TV. It was going to be on national TV anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not it, every game this is, on national. This TV. isn't 1987 where everybody <laughs> doesn't have ESPN. Yeah. All right. If you're on ESPN, you're on national television. If you're on the SEC network, you're pretty much on national television. There might be a few places you're not. They're not playing the game on the Longhorn Network. All right. It's not. It's not just going out to like 50,000 homes in the middle of Waxahachie, Texas. It's 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 nation. We're going worldwide here, man. All right. Try to have a good Monday. We, I'd like to think maybe we at least entertained you for an hour or so. I hope to, there was some entertainment. And get I, through it. I hope there was some some you know. One more time, guys. Here we go. One, two, three. <sighs> kind of sounds like the you know the Master P song. You know, make, make them say, say uh-huh. "ugh." Yeah, yeah. That that was a bit that it wouldn't have flowed as well with that. So. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow. For Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.